Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Be sure to download our app and follow along with sermon notes. And now for our message. Susan and I uh, and Trent moved here to Missouri just about 13 months ago. We've been here um, a little better than a year. And uh, kind of a quick update, we really like Springfield. We really love Grace Church. Like, Springfield's fine, and it really is. It's really, we like Green County, we like Christian County, we live in Nixa. We just, we really like this area, but this church, man, turn to the person next to you and say, just say, this church is amazing. It is, it really is, and it's not the building. I mean, I like the building and all that, but it's the people. You guys are incredibly friendly and nice and have been so embracing of us, and we have, we have from the moment that we got here, we have sought to avoid the temptation to come in and to start changing things and start casting vision and being like, you know, riding in on the white horse proverbially, proverbially, I can't say that word this morning, and saying this is where the direction we're going. We've spent the last year not doing that. Instead, we've spent this past year having conversations. We've visited with many of you, um, probably not everyone yet, but we've spent a lot of time eating together and having coffee and talking, asking questions, listening, because we really wanted to get to know Grace well before we we launched into kind of trying to discern and to cast vision for its future. And so we have intentionally prioritized building relationships with each of you, and we want that to continue. The, The foundation of a healthy church, if I can say it this way, are healthy relationships. You can't have a healthy church if you don't have healthy relationships. And so we want to continue down that road of just spending time together, investing in you, getting to know you, having you get to know us, um, so that's going to continue moving forward. Amen? Does that sound good? We're going to be a relational church. We are a relational church. We're going to continue to be that. However, now that we're a year into it, now that we've been here for a year, we've experienced all 12 months of uh, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri weather, which means nine months of intense humidity. We've experienced all of that for the first year. I can't get over the humidity. I check my phone and it's like, oh, 71. That'll be nice to go outside and exercise in. No, it's like running in a sauna. It's terrible. It's always stiflingly hot and it's just like wringing wet. It's just like the humidity is the thing I'm still not totally adjusted to. But we've been here a whole year and now is starting to be the time for us where we start to say, Um, This is what we sense in the Lord is the direction that Grace Church needs to move in the future. Now, we've we've kind of, uh, you know, kind of hinted at that and talked a little bit about it, but now that we're past that one-year mark, we had intended in our hearts to really reserve those things until after the first year. Now we're ready to start to jump into what it is that we feel like God is saying about the future. And I've entitled this series that we're going to do over the next four weeks, um, I usually don't mention the titles, but specifically we're going to call this series Values. The why behind the what. And we're going to be talking about what values are and what a church needs in terms of values, in terms of also fulfilling the mission that God gives it. The full picture yet of the future is not entirely clear. I don't know exactly all of the details, but what I do know are some of the foundational elements, the identity elements of who grace is and who grace is going to be as we move forward. Now, before I jump into any more of that, let me say this. I am the fifth pastor of this church. So we have Pastor Richard Castile, we have Pastor John Rusk, we have Pastor uh, Richard Tao, and then we have Pastor Jay Bean, and then we have um, Pastor Tim May. That's weird. Look at all those little names. May, Bean, Tao, Rusk, all one-syllable names. That's kind of weird. I didn't think of that. Anyway, distraction. Let's get back to focus here. 
I don't want to make, I don't want it to seem like, you know, everything that was before us was wrong and we're doing it right. That is not true. Every one of those men and their, their wives, the other leaders, the ministers that have been a part of this church have contributed something to get us to the place we are right now. And it is our honor, Susan's and my honor, to be able to build upon what has gone before us. So we are not in any way being dismissive or, or um, rejecting of the past. Rather, we are extending what God started when he started this church back in the late 1980s. Okay, so just please, as we move forward, don't think... Tim thinks that he, his way or Susan's way is the only way and everybody else was wrong. No, 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 no. We are speaking into what is the, the time that we've been called to serve this church, this next season specifically. And so these foundational elements that are becoming clear to us, we're going to call values. And what, if you want to take notes this morning inside of your grace guide and on the app, let's fill this first blank in together. Values are the underlying and unchanging qualities that define the culture of an organization or the priorities of an individual. Basically, you can think of the values of a church as like the church's DNA. And so it's been our effort in this last year through prayer, through talking, through seeking God, through asking, through spending time in the word to discern what those values are for Grace Church. We wanna know what the values are so that we can build in such a way that the direction and the future practice of this church in terms of what it does in ministry is in alignment with what God has called it to. Values are both present realities and future aspirations. Let me, this is important that we understand this. I'm not suggesting that the values that I'm gonna be articulating over these next weeks are places where we already do it perfectly. Turn to the person next to you and say, we don't do any of these perfectly. What I am saying is that these are foundation stones that we're building on, that we are endeavoring to do better and better, but we are also aspiring over time that we will get better at them. This is something that is progressive in nature. The values reflect who we are, but also who we want to be, where we are, and also where we want to go. And whether you realize it or not, everything that you do in your life, everything that I do in my life is born out of what are my values, what are your values. Everything. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. So let me give you a couple of examples. Um, have you ever met someone that's just totally fixated on the, the latest and greatest thing, whatever it is, the technology, for example? Like we went to the, the, um, the, the cell phone store yesterday, I guess it's not called it whatever. We went to the store to look at buying new phones yesterday. That is a version of torment that I so dislike. Like, you can't just go in there and be like, I'm done with this phone. Can I have a new one? They're like, yeah, sure, switch it out or whatever. You'll see the change in your bill. No, no, it's, it has to be this long sales pitch. And then they talk about stuff that I have no idea, you know? I don't know 5G from a 4G, from a 3G, from a no G. I don't know any of that stuff, right? But they're talking to me like I'm totally into it and everything. And then I have to make an informed decision, which means I have to go learn and then come back and then negotiate. I just hate it. I hate it. But you ever met, that was a side also. You ever met somebody that's just like totally into that stuff? Like they're right there on the edge. Every time something new comes out, they've got to have it. Raise your hand if you know that person. Yes, right. Not, not if you are that person, just if you know that person. So I would say, based on that behavior, that they have a value of, of um, technology, of the latest and greatest, because that's something that brings them a lot of joy. There's a, there's a value in possessions or the happiness that comes from having things. And the same thing is true with vehicles. You all know those people, too. The same thing is true of clothing. It's anything that you get so focused on that you've got to have. It says that the value is possessions. 
and the, and the happiness that in theory comes from having the latest thing. Think about this. You ever met somebody that just loves to give? So they're always looking for a way to, 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 to you know, give you time, give you money, help you do things. They, just, they, they have a lifestyle that wants to bless other people. They have, that means that they have a value of generosity or selflessness. How about somebody that, that really, um, I don't know if they like it, but they just can't help themselves. They always want to correct everybody else. <laughs> you ever met someone like that? Don't raise your hand and please don't point. But there's people like that. They're like, that's just their thing. They ha- everybody, everything has to be right, and they have to make sure everybody else is doing everything right. Their value is perfectionism. That brings them some level of peace or uh, self-esteem or something. The value is perfectionism. The behavior is trying to get everybody to do everything correctly. Or someone that spends time in the Word, just loves to be in the Scriptures, loves to meditate on the Word, loves to, loves to focus there. That, the value underneath of that is knowing the truth, and it comes out in spending time in the truth. In short, let's say it this way, and if you want to write this down, in short, our values reveal, I'm sorry, our behaviors reveal our true values. Our values are disclosed through our behavior. So it doesn't matter what you say. Like, people say the right things all the time, right? What they value. Like, if we we did an anonymous survey right now, and I was like, how many of y'all value prayer? Like, everybody in this room would be like, oh, absolutely, totally value prayer. Prayer is so important. But if we, we, we could never do this, but if we were able to look at all of our lives in detail and see, do we actually spend time doing prayer, if it's that big of a value, I think, I think it would be a, a somewhat of a disconnect for some of us between our stated value and our actual behavior, which is why what we say is less valuable than what we do. What we do reveals what we really value, what really is important to us. God's kingdom has values. The entire scriptures, all of Jesus' ministry, for example, is one kingdom value after another. Let me give you a couple of examples again. This is important. I want you to grab this concept. So in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is eating with tax collectors and some religious leaders come to the door where they're eating and, and they give Jesus a hard time about this. Why are you eating with these tax collectors, these sinners? How come you spend your time with them? And Jesus says these words. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So the action is Jesus having meals with people that are not spiritually respected. They're, they're people that are rough and tumble and, and are doing things in a sinful way. That's the action, but the value underneath of it is loving people right where they are, an unconditional acceptance of people right where they are. That's the value, the kingdom value that underlies the behavior. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus instructs his disciples and he says this. He says, whoever would, uh, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when you look at Jesus' life, you look at him touching the leper, you look at him healing blind eyes, you look at him washing the feet of his disciples, you look at him going to the cross, all of those things, those actions speak a value internally that we're here to be servants, not, not those who are served. It's a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom value. And there's so many of them. And for a church, it's absolutely critical that whatever it is that we choose to, based on the leading of the Spirit, kind of anchor our behavior to, they have to be in alignment with kingdom values. Like, we can't pick things that are not in alignment with what God's heart is for people. 
and our values that I'm going to disclose over these next weeks all do. As we're introducing and exploring them over the next weeks, uh, this has all come from time before the Lord, but with you, listening to the Lord, listening to you, listening to Grace's past. I've gone back and listened to um, uh, sermons from years ago just to hear what was being said at any given time, which is a really fun thing to do. I don't know that we can make that available to everyone, but I had David print off a bunch print off, is that how you do it? Burn off some CDs. Yeah, print off. It's really, so you can tell how technical I am. Some CDs for me so I could just listen to old messages from here. And you'd be surprised how much you can learn about a church just listening to something 10 years ago or 15 years ago or even 20 years ago. So all of that plays into these values that I'm going to disclose to you. And here's the first Grace Church value. I'm actually going to turn around and look at it. Can, we, can you throw up that ring? There it is. Number one. Isn't that cool? I designed this graphic. Are you impressed with that? <laughs> Wholeness. Wholeness is our first value that we're going to anchor to. Now, well, Susan and I pastored before um, in another place, and we, when we went through this process with that church, we had, I think, eight values. And that's too many. Not that we don't, they weren't all good. They were all very good. We are only going to have three values that we focus on. And everything that we do, they're going to be kind of like a filter that says everything that we do needs to run through, the, the, through these three values to make sure that what we're doing is really what God has called us to. The first one is wholeness. Now, as a definition, if you want to write it down, wholeness is a state of spiritual, emotional, relational, mental, and physical health. We are interested in being people who are getting healthy. In every way that we can be healthy, we want to be healthy. And there are other aspects of this that we didn't even talk about, but it's a holistic approach to saying, my life is, is to be a life that is ever increasingly becoming more like Jesus, being shaped into the image of Christ. Wholeness is God's intention for people. When we talked about in this last series about um, healing our deepest wounds, remember where we were in Genesis 1 and 2? We were in a place of perfection, Physical perfection, spiritual perfection, relational harmony, emotional stability, all of that was happening. And then in Genesis chapter 3, the fall takes place and all of that is corrupted. And since that time, man has been with God's you know, blessing and empowerment and touch and healing, man has been on a journey trying to get back to a place of wholeness. And it's not something that we can do on our own. We're not able to make ourselves well, which is why the entire concept of self-help and uh, the, the, the numbers of articles and books and, and conferences that you can go to to fix yourself, it's really, I'm not against any of that stuff, but it's really funny to think of us trying to fix us. You would think with all these years of us trying to fix us, we would have a better and more healthy place to live. The world is just like literally falling apart. It proves that we are not able to on our own. But empowered by the Holy Spirit, anchored to the word of God, we are actually able to become more whole. So we pursue wholeness. We do not have wholeness intact and in full. We pursue it because we won't be completely whole until we see Jesus face to face. The scripture says then that we will become like him because we will see him as he is. So at that moment, we will be back into that Genesis chapter one and two state. But until then, we are in pursuit. And we're in pursuit of wholeness because it is God's heart. This is such good news. Turn to the person next to you and say, really listen to this part. Oh, I, sorry to wake you. Uh, let's try that again. Turn to the person next to you and say, really listen to this part. This is really important. The reason wholeness is so important, the reason wholeness is so important is that it is God's heart for us that we live a vibrant, joy-filled, purpose-filled life. Like he wants us to have a good life. 
The, the, the gospel is something that is given to us so that we might have hope and peace and joy and excitement and a reason to get up in the morning. Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. God's desire for his children is that we would be full of joy. That doesn't mean that as we pursue wholeness that we're not gonna have problems or challenges or heartaches, but it does mean that if we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that his presence and his power and all of the things that he brings to our life will, will move us into a place of greater and greater wholeness. And that is a good place to be. Jesus ministered wholeness to people. Mark chapter one, there's a leper that comes to him, a man that has leprosy. And he, he finds Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me whole. And Jesus stretches out his hand and touches this leper and says, I am willing, be whole. Physical wholeness. John chapter eight, the woman who's caught in adultery is thrown at the feet of Jesus by the religious leaders and Jesus deals with the religious leaders then he lifts up this woman and he asks her where her accusers are and she says, you know, they're not here and Jesus says, I don't accuse you either. I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. That is an example of emotional and spiritual wholeness. When, when Peter is just so awful and he denies Christ on the very night that Jesus most needed someone to stand with him, Peter, Peter you know, just totally wigs out, says, I don't know him, I don't know who you're talking about. He even, one, one, of the, one of the gospels, he calls down curses on himself and said, you know, I, I promise you, I don't know this man. And in John chapter 21, Peter and Jesus meet on the beach and Jesus gives Peter, this amazing opportunity to make right what he made wrong earlier by asking him, hey, Peter, do you love me? Of course, that, that plays out. Three times he asks him, you know, the opportunity to make good on the three times that he denied him. That's relational wholeness. Mark chapter four, there's a demon-possessed man, and after he, Jesus casts out the demons from inside him, this is the guy that was called Legion because there were so many demons, all those demons goes in the piggies and they run down the hill and they die, but then it says in the text that, piggies, did you pick up on that? Yeah. <laughs> such a farm guy <laughs> all those hogs they run down the hill they die and then uh it says in the text in mark that the man was seated in his right mind at the feet of jesus mental wholeness every if you look every time jesus ministers to someone there is some element of wholeness or healing that he is bringing to their lives physical emotional relational mental and on and on and on so of all the things that we could pick we can it's unlimited that we could pick why would Grace Church specifically focus on wholeness as one of our values? First of all, I believe that we are called to a whole lot more than we've experienced. Like my sense is, is that Grace Church is poised for just some incredible fruitfulness. And I don't know exactly what it's gonna look like, but I just feel like, you know, you just get a sense as a leader that like all the pieces are coming together. And I believe that we need to be a people who are pursuing this wholeness so that we will be ready to fulfill the mission that God gives us as reaching our neighbors, reaching our community, reaching people that live around us. It, we're in a season of Rehoboth, right? That area of spreading out. And for us to do that well, for God to trust us with new believers and prodigals who are coming home, we need to be a people worthy of trust in terms of our own taking, taking seriously our own des, um, efforts to walk in wholeness before him. I think secondly, this is... Um, this is one that I don't take this the wrong way, okay? But secondly, most of the problems in the local church, and I don't mean grace, I mean any local church, most of the problems in the local church are not caused by non Christians or people that are seeking truth. They're not caused by 
people that are new Christians that are just figuring out this whole thing that we, that we live in. They're not caused by mature believers who have just been through the paces and have learned to walk with Christ and are pursuing wholeness. Most, if not all of the problems that take place in a local church come through immature believers who have refused for whatever reason to stop moving forward in Jesus and become whole. That's, it always comes back. When you see something blow up in a church, and it happens with an alarming frequency. When you see something blow up in a church, it's almost always people who have stopped saying, Lord, I'm not whole here. Would you fix me? It's people that think, I'm good. I've done all what I need to do. Why don't these people get their act together around me? And they cause problems. And so we want to be a people that embrace wholeness because we don't want to be a church that is open to the division that comes through disunity and through people not moving forward in their pursuit of God's wholeness. Thirdly, we reproduce after our own kind. It's the way it is. Um, you know, whales have whales. Dogs have dogs. People have people. Unhealthy people have, tend to perpetuate unhealth through generations. Healthy people perpetuate health through generations. Churches that are healthy perpetuate new believers that increase health. Churches that are unhealthy perpetuate new generations of people that are unhealthy. We want to be a place that, that we're so solid that as we reproduce after our own kind, the generations that follow us don't deal with all the same issues that we have. When you think about your kids, don't you want that? Wouldn't you like to just be able to, to save your kid every mistake that you've ever made? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Raise your hand if you'd like that. I would totally like that. That's what we're wanting to do with our church, to so pursue God's wholeness and so say to him, Lord, work in us that as new people come, as people are saved, as people are discipled, as people are built up, that we reproduce those who are, who are whole after us. We pursue wholeness on your sheets. We pursue wholeness so that we can impart wholeness to others. If we don't do this, we will undermine God's calling for this church. If we don't take this seriously, we will undermine God's calling and mission for this particular family. But gratefully, he is willing to take us all right where we are right now and start moving us forward. And that's exciting. So each, each week, I'm almost finished here, but each week when we do these values that I'm going to talk about, each week um, I'm going to ask you the same question. I'm going to ask you to consider your own values. I'm going to ask you to look at your own life, and I'm going to say this question to you. What do you value? Not what you say you value. What do you actually value? What do you actually value? Now, for some of you, you're like, oh, I got this, and I already know what I need to deal with. That's awesome. And others of you are thinking, oh, I'm good. I don't know. I'm, I'm, my values are all solid. I promise you not everybody in this room's values are totally solid. If you're struggling with this, here's a few things to consider. Remember, we're working from behaviors back to values. Where do you spend your time? Like when you're not asleep or at work, what do you do with your time? Where do you spend your money? If it's not paying the electric bill or buying groceries and you have some extra, what do you do with it? It indicates your values. What do you think about the most? When you think about what you think about, you'll see what your values are. What do, you, what do you do to entertain yourself? What do you spend that time and energy to make yourself happy? That's a really good indicator of what your values are. And as grace wrestles with its values, this church wrestles, wrestles with its values. I want you to wrestle with yours as well. Would you stand up with me? We're going to pray together. Thank you, Christian.
Maybe it's time, um, maybe it's time for some of us, and I'm going to be first on this, to repent of some of the things that we have made underlying foundational elements of our lives, otherwise known as values. Like when I, when I bring you stuff on Sundays, I commit to you that I process it for me first. So like when I come up with these examples that are kind of anonymous, a lot of times they're not anonymous. A lot of times they're Susan, and I want to bring her stuff out to you all. No, I'm just kidding. Like the guy that's the perfectionist that wants everybody else to do it right, that's a struggle for me. I don't want that to be a driver in my life. I want grace to be the value underneath where I look at other people and my first thought isn't, why don't they get their act together? But my first thought is, I wonder what's going on in their life that's causing this to be so difficult for them. I want my first thought to be, Lord, help them, not, Lord, what's up with that? You know? I want you to close your eyes for a moment and just think, where, where is the Holy Spirit this morning poking at your heart and saying, you need to deal with this? You've got a value that's driving, you know, poor use of money, poor use of time, poor use of your mental power, <laughs> poor use of your, of your uh, opportunities to influence others. Where is that this morning? And I want to invite you just to bring that to the Lord. Let's pray together and ask him to forgive us and ask him to change that value from something that is not honoring of him, that's not aligned with the kingdom into something that is. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, thank you for your grace. Our church is so appropriately named Grace Church. Lord, we need your grace. We need your grace more than we even understand. And we ask this morning, even as we are hearing about and processing through what will be these foundational elements for this church, we ask this morning that you would show us foundational places in our lives that are not pleasing to you, that are not in alignment with your kingdom values. Lord, I thank you that you don't condemn us, but that you gently and lovingly convict us and correct us and will turn us if we will cooperate with you. So Lord, we want to cooperate this morning. We want to turn our hearts toward you. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we have behaved, that, that have revealed faulty values, broken values, non-kingdom values. Forgive us. Give us a fresh start. Turn our attention. Turn our hearts toward you and toward what you want to do through us and in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you extend your hands in front of you as if you were going to receive a gift like Miss Ann got? You're going to get a basket this morning, but it's going to be in the form of a blessing. This is out of Genesis chapter 28. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now live. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you'd like more information about giving your life to Jesus, email us at info at grace417.com. That's I-N-F-O at grace417.com. We pray you have a blessed day.